0: Wow, thank you, thank you, thank you, and what a perfect uh, segue to have uh, Jacob Reynolds and the whole Reynolds family being honored today. I want to honor the family too, his mom, April, because she dragged him to church from the very get-go, you know, So there's and, and, and Pi, you know, uh, Gabriel, um, I just love this family, I absolutely love this family, we have a long history together. I'm going to do something kind of weird here, all right? Bear with me. And the people that know me are going, yeah, buddy, no big deal. Here we go. Born in the USA. Okay, only reason I did that is Brad's going to listen to this later. And I know he's a big Bruce Springsteen, the boss fan, and I'm really trying to edge that a little bit. I know with my poor rendition of it that that will, that that will kind of take the place of uh, maybe he won't like Bruce as much you know, because I do that because one time he planted an earbug in my, in my ear. I was singing a praise and worship song and I'm going, I can't get this song out of my mind. He goes, I can help you with that. I go, well, yeah, please help me. He looks right at me and he goes, comma, 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 All right, thank you. The rest of the day I came and went, you know, I, you come and go. Now, let me, let me get right to this, you guys. Alicia's looking at me and going, oh, no, he's already off the rails. No, he's already off the rails. But have you ever been in a difficult situation? Anybody? A hard situation. And then you get there and you're wondering, how in the world did I get here? What led me to to this place? How did I get here? Well, Well, I'll tell you what, that has certainly happened to me. And I, I want to go just through a brief story because uh, let, me, let me introduce myself to celebrate Recovery Way. My name's Buddy Davis, and I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who is celebrating my recovery for drugs and alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> my wife and I were driving here this morning, and you know, it's been, uh, I've been sober now for 16 years. Yeah. By the grace of God. Yeah. But well, let me tell you something. I have not always been a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. See, my family—we grew up basically unchurched. We never went to church. It's kind of a middle-class family. I know my parents loved me. We were provided for. We went to school, but we really didn't have any spiritual foundation. A course of things, I'm not getting details happen, and I, I really started using and stuff at a very young age. I started smoking marijuana at about twelve drinking at about 12 years old and years of horrible decisions, years of doing things that just wrecked my life, wrecked my family's life. I mean, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare and, and it took a long time to get out of that. Now, I'm going to fast forward. By the time I was 39 years old, I was married to my beautiful Alicia, uh, my beautiful Alicia wife, wife, Alicia. And, um, and, and you know, we were, we were a mess. I tell you what, we were a mess. At that time, I had a nine-year-old son. His name was Dalton. And my addiction was getting worse and worse. It was dragging my family through literally a living hell. You know, I, I emptied bank accounts. I emptied college fund accounts. I was a total jerk, really a total jerk. And, and I, I just couldn't take it anymore. I got to a point where I just couldn't take it anymore. And I want to share, there was one particular night, because I considered myself an atheist. You know, I'm free to do what I want any old time, you know. And I, I was considering myself an atheist, but I remember one particular night, I, I, I go out into my driveway, and the sky was real clear, and the stars were real clear, and, uh, you know, the, uh, the moon, I think, was full. And I remember looking up, my family had gone to bed, and I, I was still using, and uh and, I looked up, and I go, anybody uh, got saved late in life, not as a little kid? So you guys know what I mean by this prayer. If you're real, man, if you're real, I don't think I even believe in you. I I quit. I can't do this anymore. Well, little did I know, didn't happen right away, but that was the beginning of my walk with Christ. It didn't happen uh, right away, you know, and it was awesome. But let's fast forward. Here I am right now at CORE Church. I'm speaking to you at CORE Church. My wife and I were driving here this morning and going, Buddy, Millie, can you believe this? Can you believe 20 years ago where we were? And today I'm going to go speak in front of my family uh, that saved me. I, it blows my mind still how awesome God is. Well, the quick answer to that is I was exposed to the truth. I was exposed to the healing, merciful, loving hands of Jesus Christ. But how, how did that happen? It happened through everyday, ordinary Christians just acting like everyday, ordinary Christians should act. You know? That, that, that's how it happened. And, and they were compassionate. They took the time to know me. And then they preached the gospel to me. Started with a man named Kenny Pope. Isn't it cool that his last name was Pope? Uh, those of you who have heard me tell this story uh, will, will know that uh, my son played football, wound up going to SNU playing football, and, and him and this coach's son were had a drill, and they're going at each other, man, and they're, they're the two biggest kids in second grade, and they're going at each other. Then the whistle blows, and they're still going at each other. Uh, this time, it's slightly illegal techniques, you know, like, you know, throw on the ground and try to ground and pound, you know, and... And then this guy comes up, this shaved head, sleeved-out tattoo, pierces all over his ears, comes up, and somebody says, Well, that's the coach. And also it's that other kid's dad. I'm like, oh boy. You know, you know he wore a toe ring, right? Have I, those of you who know me know, you see, this big old buffed up guy sleeved out, piercings everywhere. That was my first look at Jesus. That was an ordinary Christian doing ordinary things. But he wore a toe ring. I mean, the toe ring really threw me off. I dare not say anything because he could squash me like a grape, you know. But I, I dared not say anything. And, um, man, they, they really took time with us. They walked with us. They talked with us. And, and it started. And, and just a, a quick just bam, bam, bam thing, it, it, it led to them um, uh, inviting my son to church. Well, they spend the night first. It's the sneaky Christian thing. Spend the night. They had a ministry name for it. It was SOS. And uh, my brothers from the center aren't here yet, but it isn't shoot on site. It was sleepover Saturday. Uh, You know, and so I invited him, and he went to church. Me and my wife loved that. We kind of partied that night. But Alicia had a big, you know, crock pot of roast beef or something, and um, he comes back. Dad, how come we don't pray before we eat? toe ring. Dude, where's a toe ring? I knew it. I knew it. And uh, I go, well, son, we really don't, you know, that's just not who we are. We kind of don't. That's not, you know. Well, it was Tanner's dad that prayed, so you're the one supposed to be to pray, dad. And I'm like, mm, boy, if I had that toe ring now, wouldn't be so scared of it, you know. And um, so I did, a, I did a helpless, just a pathetic prayer. It was a George Harrison song. Anybody old enough to remember George Harrison? My Lord, my sweet Lord. I had no idea that was like a Krishna thing. You know, I, I really want to know you. I really, blah, blah, blah. He tells me about how great at the time it was, this church was called Family Church and it met somewhere else. So he goes, Dad, you got to go. I got saved. And it was Brad Farnsworth that was his kids pastor, by the way, at that time. And he goes, I got saved. And I went, like, you did. <laughs> All right. And uh, so my intention was to... Uh, go by. And there was a Friday's at 61st and Memorial then. It's gone now. And uh, we met at the Union 6th and 7th grade center. My plan, I'm going to go sign them into kids church and I'm out of there. I'll go to Friday's, have a few drinks, watch a few football, come back. No, son, this ain't for us. This is not for us. Church thing, you know, not for the Davises. So I'm in the back and they, um, I'm a little upset that we don't do this anymore. But uh, there was a giant booth that had every bagel known to mankind. It had every flavor of cream cheese. I think they had a boysenberry cream cheese. I mean, that's how, you know, down the line it went. And um, so I, I don't know anything about church. I go, how much is it? And then they brothered me. Do <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I didn't. At the time, they went, brother, oh, brother, help yourself. Come on in, brother. Come in. Then the music started. Damn, my window of opportunity just, bam, went like that. I couldn't get out of there. I could not get out of there. So I sat in the back row, back row Joe, and I sat there. And the pastor at the time started preaching. Don't really remember what he said except for this. Isaiah 118. Even though your sins are stained like crimson, I can make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. I still had drugs in my system. These people hugged me, accepted me in. They saw me different than anybody else had seen me. It was incredible. I walked up that day, and I gave my life to Christ that day when my plan was to run away. Wow. I. Mean, I- it happened a long time ago, but it's still, it's still so fresh to me. And then uh, after that, you know, all of a sudden, uh, Celebrate Recovery came into our lap. And we started Celebrate Recovery. I did that as a layperson. A prison ministry comes in, into our lap. God just starts heaping stuff on. And then in 2007, the idiots hired me and put me on staff at Family Church. I mean, what kind of knucklehead does that with a guy like me? And so um, we do family church for a while, and then, there, then uh, you know, things happen. Connection Church comes along, and family church come together, and they become core church. And uh, Compassionate Ministries becomes part of my responsibility. There's a whole new staff and a, and a new fresh spirit and a, and a new fresh movement going on. And then in 2013 is one of the greatest years of my life. I finally finished college at 53. And... Uh, I finished the studies for the Nazarene Church, and they ordained me that year. They laid hands, the elders, and prayed, and I am an ordained pastor of the Nazarene Church. Former drug addict atheist at age 39 is now, these men are, are, and women are, are laying hands, and it's incredible. My son graduates and gets a scholarship to Southern Nazarene University. And then Dave McKellops, who taught here, who preached here a couple weeks ago, He's my boss now. He approaches me in December of 2013 and says, hey, man, we we would like to start a district compassionate ministry, which we named Abba, which has been going on for three years now. And, uh, I mean, and and how did this all happen? How uh, does something like that happen in a person's life? Ordinary believers with compassion doing ordinary things powered by the Holy Spirit. They took baby steps. Now here I am, my home church with my family at CORE Church, and I'm, I'm able to speak inside. I'm able to speak to you right now. You know, uh, I want to talk about some dreams here. You ever, ever a dream inside your heart that you could see God doing in your lifetime? What is that dream? What is it? What's the one that's inside your heart? What if you had unlimited resources and you could see anything happen in the world that would glorify God and help people and really change the world. I mean, what would that be? Well, let me show you some of my thoughts. Some of my thoughts and some of my dreams. My dream is God would launch a movement where, where believers of Jesus Christ would act and live and believe and li- like, like Christians. Where, what kind of churches, what kind of ministries would that produce? I'll tell you what it would. A church like Core Church. A ministry like Abba Compassionate Ministries. See these churches and these ministries. They'd be warm, caring, non legalistic, generous with their time, generous with their money, generous with their talents, and and, and they would go out and they would serve and they, and they would they would be passionate, authentic, real followers of Christ. The broken, the irreligious, the unbeliever. Uh, People that are different, unloving, frustrating, EGRs. Do do anybody know what an EGR is? Scream it out loud if you know. Extra grace required. Do you know what an O-E-G-R is? Overwhelming extra grace required. And and, uh, I I imagine some of you have had people in the life where you're going, Man, please, I can't do anything. I don't know. I, I help. I don't... And, and, and they just need so much. They're so needy. They're so needy. Um, anybody have anyone like that? Okay, you're probably the OEGR then. <laughs> Should have raised your hand on that one. You know, um, I, I feel, I, I dream that they would be welcomed, you know, and, 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 and they would, a uh, community of people like that, and they would feel loved as they came in. Wouldn't it be awesome if churches and ministries, would measure success by the depth of their love instead of how cool their building looks or instead of how deep their budget pockets are or the size of their attendance. Man, I'm dreaming of a day where parents and families are restored, where relationships are restored. They have stuff like dinner together and and simple, boring pleasures. By the way, when you think you're bored, you're actually having peace. Peace. I dream of of prisoners coming in and repenting of their crimes and making a 180-degree turn and their lives change forever and their families' lives change forever. I dream of Christians seeing all people as children of God, the poor, the disenfranchised, the crippled, pregnant teens, addicted, homeless, and people that have made decisions that have totally wrecked their lives. And and they sit right next to doctors and lawyers and blue-collar workers and leaders of industry, and they both, all of them, find their hope in Christ together. That's one of my dreams. I dream of a day when forgiveness would be sought, and it would be granted, and the predictable struggles that everybody goes through and some of the more extreme struggles that everyone goes through would be followed by getting wise counsel, would be followed by seeking God's word, would be followed by... By, by owning up and getting better and getting healed and making it through those struggles. I'm dreaming of a day where parents would model holiness and purity and set boundaries for their children to protect them from the temptations of the world that I've succumbed to, that many of you have succumbed to, and they promise everything. They promise the joy and life, but what they deliver is misery and death. I dream of a day where um, Christians know their neighbors. And they have hamburgers in the backyard. And, and people who don't believe would see these believers and go, you know what? They're really nice. They're kind. And when I'm in a crisis, they always seem to be available. What is that? What is that? What is that? I'm praying for a day when churches and ministries would together build houses, feed the hungry, go visit prisoners, uh, clothe people, and not care who gets the credit. Not care which church, which ministry, which thing gets the credit, that Christ gets the credit. A day where Christians would be known for what we're for instead of what we're against. What are we for instead of what we're against? You know, uh, I, I dream of a day where we would actually believe and actually know that prayer is more powerful and effective than money. Prayer is more powerful and effective than any political structure. Prayer is the one that does that. We celebrate our freedom as a nation today, but our freedom from sin was paid for a long time ago. It was bought for a long time ago. A day that uh, people would be valued and treated with dignity, even if the way, here's the tough part, even if the way they lived and everything they said and did and believed was the exact opposite of what Christ said. And it's the exact opposite because they are are children of God as well. I picture a day in my mind where Christians right here at Core Church, right over there at Abba Compassionate Ministries and all around the world would think it odd or think it strange to not go in front of God every single day uh, and, 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 and authentically and honestly follow Jesus Christ. I can see in my heart where 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, that people are on mission, that they would go, you know, living in a tent city, living under a bridge, living in a prison cell, living in a mansion, living in a suburb, three-bedroom house with one bath, and, and they would go, God, what do you got for me today? How can I serve you today? How can I help today? I'm dreaming of the day where the world will really change when we see things three years, five years, ten years, twenty years down the road, and we have no doubt that the way it changed was because God did it, because God did it. This dream, it inundates me, guys. It It consumes me. It frustrates me. It overwhelms me a lot of the time. I think about it all the time. I think about it when I lay my head down. I think about it when I'm driving around in my car. I think about it when I'm in the shower, you know, those shower moments, Take the image out. <laughs> it's gonna hurt. Take it out. Okay? And, 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 but it consumes me. And I, 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 I know it's humanly impossible. I know in of myself. I don't have the power to do this. But I know who does. I know the Spirit, Holy Spirit does. Any way that this dream can become a route, it's my passion. It's what God's put in my heart. It's my passion. Well. If I'm being honest, telling you the truth, it's, it's not really my passion. That passion was given to me. It's Jesus' passion for his church. It's Jesus' passion for you and for me. This is his dream for you. This is his dream for me. Uh, it, 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 one of the ways he shows us this is when he taught uh, us how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All that is is Christians living and acting like Christians. It's real simple. It's not that we're perfect, but we make progress. And when we blow it, we admit it, we seek help, we change, and we grow a little bit more. Everyone in this church has the potential to literally transform the world around you. Everyone in here has that potential Because Christ in you. And how does that happen? How does that really work? It sounds great, buddy. Is this just some pipe dream? Is this some pie in the sky someday, some way, somehow it's going to work? How does it actually work? God puts inside me and you these dreams, desires, and he gives us opportunities to do that. It isn't some great hero. It isn't some great thing. It happens organically, like a mustard seed. That grows. It happens when a guy with a toe ring asks a kid to spend the night at his house and then takes him to church the next day. That's how it happens. You know, I can stand there, you know, and go, yes, Alba Compassionate Ministries is the Northeast Oklahoma District Compassionate Ministry and, and think it's really cool. You know how it started? A toe ring dude invited a kid to church. That's how it started. That's why they come up here and ask you to work in the kid's ministry. It's powerful. As parents, a lot of times we'll do things for our kids we would never, ever consider doing. You know, I, I look at this, and that's why Jesus chose the disciples. He did, right? I mean, look at these disciples; they're losers. You know, I mean, they're hard, hard workers. They're blue-collar fishermen. But they're not educated. They don't have any political power. They they don't have any money. They don't have any leverage. They don't have a lot of connections. But but he chose them. What what? You know what's so cool about that? Because we know that everything that happened had to be God. It couldn't be these men that they brought in. See, at Pentecost, he sent his Holy Spirit inside of them. So instead of Jesus walking around loving, praying, healing, comforting, he puts the Spirit inside of us. And now we cover just as much ground, if more, than than Jesus could when he was in human form. And, And that... That took 120 people, there are about 120 disciples, and added another 3,000 devout followers. And because he placed that spirit inside them, he taught them, he walked with them. They had various backgrounds and different experiences. Again, I asked, though, how does it really work? Here we are sitting here 2,000 plus years later after Jesus walked the earth. And I know the church gets a bum rap. We did a good thing. I love the sermon series of church clothes. You know, we, we, we tend to be brought out as haters and, and all of this stuff. And, and if, if somebody would look deeper, it's not true. But, but really, 2,000 plus years, billions of people have followed Christ. From those 1,200, 120 people, billions. How in the world did we go from 120 scared people with their leader, with their Messiah is dead, scared in an upper room to what we see today? I mean... As much of a bad rap we have, there's Christians all over the world. It's, it's literally changed the world they did through the power of the cross. And how did they do this? I'm finally getting to it. The answer is baby steps. Baby steps. It's not some big thing. It's baby steps. Anybody seen What About Bob? Raise hands. Who's seen the movie What About Bob? Those of you who haven't read it, get it. It's hilarious. I was going to have Tim, our bass player. He wears Bill Murray shirt. I should have called him and have him wear his Bill Murray t-shirt because Bill Murray's the star of this, and he is an O E G R in this movie. He's got every phobia, everything that's ever wrong with him. And then the Richard Dreyfuss plays the uh, Leo Marvin, and he writes this book called Baby Steps. And uh, you know, Bill Murray takes baby steps to the elevator. Baby steps. I mean, every it, it's hilarious. It's pretty clean. It's a good movie. If you haven't seen it, see it. If you haven't seen it in a while, rent it and see it again because it's hilarious. But in a way, that's kind of what God does. He gives us baby steps. Baby steps. Now I'm going to ask you to go to Acts three. If you have your Bibles, go to Acts three. It's going to be verses one through twelve or something like that. And um, and, and I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and read in there. I'll give you a minute to get there. Acts 3, uh, verses right now, 1 through 10. And let's look at this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At 3 in the afternoon, at, they were going to prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as John did. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, um, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate, called beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. You know, we just sang that song um, about God still a God of miracles. I know there's people who are examples of miracles sitting in here right now. I'm a walking, talking example. That's how I got here. That's why I'm standing here in front of you. It is a bona fide miracle. Somebody laid hands on me and said, Buddy, get up and walk. And I'm able to walk now. I'm able to walk with Christ. So the first baby step is draw near God. If you're taking notes, I'd ask you to write that down. Draw near God. These these two guys, John and Peter... Peter and John, John and Peter, they were um, they're just doing their everyday thing. Even though they were followers of Christ, they still were Jewish folks, and they still went to the temple. And the temple had prayer time at, in the morning, uh, in the afternoon, and they had one in the evening. And they were just going to check out their afternoon. They are just going to go pray for the afternoon. And what that gets to me is, uh, you know, they must have seen him many times before. So what they're doing is they're drawing near to God baby steps, read your Bible, pray, fast every once in a while, draw near to God. The Bible promises if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. In, in order to um, be like an ordinary, we got to be close to God. These things won't save you. they won't. It's God, it's Jesus on the cross that saved us, but it'll help us draw near to God. Praying, reading God's word, it helps us get to know him. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And in order to do that, we have to get to know him. We have to get to know him. He starts tiny, with a mustard seed, with a baby step. It it says in Luke 16, whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much. Little things. Just smiling at someone. Little things. Draw near to God. Draw near to God. The second baby step is start to see people through the eyes of Jesus instead of your own eyes. You know, like I said, Peter and John probably walked by this beggar guy. He'd been there 40 years. More than likely, they walked by him several times and probably just didn't notice him. It reminds me of the, of the homeless dudes and women on the sign that are holding the, you know, we'll work for food, anything helps, God bless. You know, how many times, like you're, you're, the, you're the guy on the street corner. How many times have you done this? Don't look. Don't look. Don't look. Yeah, oh, he saw me. Eye contact. Darn it. I don't have any money. I'm not going to give him anything. Look at him. I'm not saying give him money. Maybe sometimes give him money. They may use it improperly, by the way. They may go buy alcohol with it. That's not the point. If anything, at least recognize him. Look at them and reckon, give away. You're a human being. You're God's creature. Silver and gold, I do not have. You know, you may not have time to get out to pray, but maybe sometime you will. And 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 that I'm not just saying the homeless guy. I'm talking about person at work. I'm talking person across the street. Um, you know, I, I, prison ministry. I always make that reference. I'm talking about your celly. I'm talking about people at rehab. I'm talking about everyone. I'm talking about your doctor. You know, I'm talking about your lawyer, everyone. See them through Jesus' eyes. See, Jesus has unlimited resources, and he lives inside of us. Peter doesn't think he's going to do this by himself. Jesus said, all power has been given to me, and I'm going to be with you always. So right here, during this uh, seeing people, something happens, and he takes a a faith step. Ephesians uh, 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Jesus is to do immeasurably more than we could ask him. Pretty soon we run into a problem sometimes. Pretty soon people start thinking, you know what? Nothing's going to change. The way it is right now, that's the way it's always going to be. I'll always be an addict. I'll I'll always have trouble with this kid that's driving me crazy. I'm never going to be friends with this other person. My marriage will always be on the rocks. It's always going to be this way. Let me tell you something. It doesn't have to be always the way it is. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. When we start living that way, we take faith completely out of the picture. It eliminates faith. See, this beggar was absolutely helpless. They had to, his friends had to carry him every day and drop him off the gate. It was a primo location. I look at it like Abba Compassionate Ministries. We, we have Manor House, which uh, gives food and clothing. Uh, I'm not, every ministry under Abba, we want to be able to have a relationship and to have story. We want to be able to give things, but we want a relationship, we, and then eventually Christ gets shared. We have an opportunity to do that at Manor House. We have an opportunity to do that very well at Celebrate Recovery. Another ministry we do is Supermarket Shuttle, where on, on food stamp days we borrow buses from different churches in the district and we take people from the low-income housing to the grocery store on food stamp day. Oh, and by the way, other volunteers watch their kids. Some of you have done that before. Watch their kids while we go do that. During that whole time, we relationship with the kids, relationship on the drive, and then we get a chance to go and uh, unload the groceries, all of us together. Don't assume the way it is is the way it's always going to be. You need to start looking at people, situations, and things through the eyes of Jesus. Baby step number three act on your good impulses. Act on them. See, Peter's just a regular guy. I mean, he screwed up so many times before he sliced one guy's ear off, Jesus had to put it back and heal him. He he screwed up so much that Jesus had to say, get behind me Satan. Now how much, how horrible would that be? I love you Jesus, I'm thought, whoa, get behind me Satan. (laughs) You know, and and, I mean Peter screwed up all the time, but right now he's got a nudging from the Holy Spirit. He sees the beggar. And you know he sees him different this time. And he, he goes, I have this unlimited power in me. What if I just tell this guy to walk? What if I just, in faith, walk and tell him to walk? You know he had it in his head going, man, what if he doesn't walk? Maybe he didn't. I think I would. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to pray this prayer, and if it doesn't happen, I'm going to make God look bad, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to do that. But God is a God of miracles today. He really is. Let me ask this on your impulses. Have you ever thought had an impulse in you where you might want to start a ministry, or you might want to help somebody, and you blew it off, you just said, no, I'm not going to, no, I'm too busy, I've got a thing with a deal over at a place, I I can't do that. And I'm, I'm telling you, when we have an impulse to do something that shows love to someone, and glorifies God, and maybe puts us out of our comfort zone, more than likely, that's a nudging from the Holy Spirit. Act on your good impulses. You know, out there we have uh, street survival bags that we started, and, and we were going to do this to these the same people on the street that we would see, and we'd give them these bags that have a bunch of stuff in it. And, and it really didn't take off, you know. It did a little bit. It was a good idea. It really didn't take off. And we were going to kind of shelve it. We have a bunch of stuff built up. And then this guy, Brandon, what's his last name again? Say it loud. Ashworth. Ashworth. Thank you, old man, can't hear, you know. But he comes up here and talks about taking it to the street. So we were able to share all that with him, and, and now he's able to, you know, we just hand that off to him. Act on your impulses. You know, swing and miss sometimes. Uh, swing and hit a very bad foul ball, you know, but, but give it a shot, whether it's helping somebody. God's given us promptings like that all the time. He's given us promptings all the time. God daily prepares a divine appointment For you to be the answer of somebody's prayer. He does it all the time. Uh, He does, thank you. He does it all the time. It says here, Let your light shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That is from the very lips of Jesus, right there. How do you do that? You draw near to God, baby step one. You see people through Jesus' eyes, baby step two, and you act on your good impulses. And yeah, like I said before, sometimes you're going to miss. Sometimes you try and it doesn't work. But one time, the right time, you'll get a hold of it. You'll get all of it. I love my baseball references. You'll get all of it and it'll, and it'll fly. And, and, and you'll just be amazed at by what God can do. The fourth baby step is give God the credit. Don't ever think that it's, I can't ever think that it's me. Uh, you know, quite frankly, I would imagine Peter was shocked as anyone else, you know, because long before these guys were putting stained grass windows, they're just blue-collar workers. I, I look at Peter as the cable guy of the Bible days. Come on, guys, let's get her done, you know. I, I mean, I, I see him as just getting in there. Uh, let's look at Acts uh, 3, 11 through 12. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running, um, running to them at a place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? It was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. Give God, the credit. That's what Peter does almost instantly. He does it almost instantly. You know, and, and you know, with all things, is possible with God. Everything. Everything's possible. But, you know, I tell you what, God will always do his part. But here's something that he will never do. He will never do our part. He will never do our part. I have a friend, and he's sitting in here today. He says, yes, God can move a mountain. But a lot of times he's going to ask you to bring a shovel. And he will help you and give you the strength to move that mountain. A lot of times. Now, with his word, he can move it. Don't get me wrong. I want to encourage you, uh, uh, that that baby step, to give God all the credit. Baby step number five is to boldly share the news of Jesus. Boldly share it. Boldly. But let let me warn you on this. Don't boldly share the news with a complete stranger. I love how Brad does. Let it organically grow. You know, you have to share, you have to show the love before sharing the love. You know, you have to earn the right before you share the light. I don't know how many people came up to me and just, you know, bulldozed me over the the head. You know, I, I, I'm going to give only one illustration for this earn the right to share the right. A long time ago in my addiction and my disease and my atheism in my, and I'm totally away from God, I was working as a banquet manager at a Double Tree Hotel. We hired a lot of the students from Rama Bible College because they didn't drink, most of them. And, uh, you know, they didn't steal and they showed up on time and, and But, you know, as, as the, our bosses and stuff, we didn't like them. You know, they were hoity. We, we, we had a really distorted opinion of, of these students. And we go, they think they're better than everybody. And, yeah, we'll take them down a peg. Well, one time, this one guy who'd been working there a long time, I kind of knew him. Can't remember his name now, but I, I, I kind of knew him. And we're in the elevator, and we got a bunch of food, and we're pushing bars to a function, a wedding or something. I can't remember what it was. And uh, he he testified to me in the old-fashioned way, you know, and if you guys are old enough, remember this, or somebody comes up to you and goes, if you died today, do you think you would go to heaven? And uh, he caught me in a weird mood. Most of the time, I would have shut him down and go, you can't talk about this at work, this, you know. I was his boss. I had the power to fire him. And I was in a kind of a good mood that day, and literally, this was the thought I had in my head. I go, well, I share my drugs. I'm a pretty nice guy you know I'm not greedy with my dope you know and and so yeah I'm going to heaven share it with everyone in heaven you know that that's how distorted my thinking was there and I'm sure what he said was nobody the only way is through Jesus who paid the price what I heard is you're gonna burn in hell and Jesus you know and and so here's what I did you know, I, I was a typical boss. I didn't want to fire him because I didn't want to pay unemployment. I didn't want that on my record with my company. So what I did is I scheduled him all the way down. You know, in the banquet business, you have these big functions where you can make lots of money. But you also have the little business coffee breaks where you set up four danishes and a pot of coffee at 4 a.m. I gave him one of those a week for like five weeks. But he still showed up. And he still came. And he still did his thing. And finally, I, I, got, I forgot how me, angry I was, and we were needed people. So I started scheduling him for the, it was Christmas time, and, uh, and I started scheduling for the bigger functions. And he comes up to me. And he goes, buddy, I just wanted to talk to you. And I went, oh, here we go. And he goes, I just wanted to thank you. I was going to ask for some time off because we had finals right at the end of the year. <laughs> and I, I really didn't want to have to quit. But the way you scheduled me was perfect. I could just go in and do my job, and then I had all day to study, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, and, uh, uh, but here's uh, later when I got saved, I remember he was bold. He knew I had the power to do that to him, yet he loved me so much anyway. Even I was a jerk. I was mean. I was selfish. I, I lorded over people as a boss but he cared enough about me to to say something. Now, he didn't do it right away. We got to know each other first. Be bold. You you ever ask, well, how do I know I have Holy Spirit inside of me? Some people say it's an event. Some people say it's a certain thing. But if you read the book of Acts, it's a boldness. When the Holy Spirit's in them, everybody's bold about sharing. They're so bold, they're ready to go to jail for it. They're ready to get whipped for it. I'm not saying we, we have to you know, do that. Thank, thank God for that. But we, but we don't. Let me tell you, if you have the son, if you have Jesus and not religion, you have life. You have eternal life. If you have the son but not your good moral person or you make really good decisions or you have all kind of gifts, you have life. It means there's going to be a time that we're going to have to step out of our comfort zone. You know, it's all good to develop the relationship and everything, but there has to come a time about the subject of Jesus comes up. And after they get to know you and know you're not a weirdo, that's what's hard for me. When I came to church, I thought all oh, y'all were weirdos. <laughs> I, you know, I thought there was going to be a snake. So I thought there was going to be a thing. I thought there was going to be judgment. And I thought we had to wear suits and there would be robes. And, you know, I really had a distorted thing. But somebody boldly shared the gospel with me. And now I want to boldly share. And I want to encourage you to boldly share The Spirit of God comes inside of people, me, you, and he lives there, and it's sealed by the Holy Spirit, and we have a new life. We have eternal life, and our heart changes. We see things different. We see people different. It's awesome. I want to thank CORE Church for allowing me to speak on this 4th of July. I don't want Daniel to get jealous because he and I are experts at Labor Day, Memorial Day, and 4th of July. (laughs) That is our specialty. It is, right? I mean, we really have a niche there, you know. (laughs) And I know, you know, my home church, I've seen it. You guys, baby step one, you draw near to God. You do. I've seen you invite over the decades and years. I've seen it. You see people through Jesus' eyes. I've seen that too. Uh, You do act on your good impulses. You hired a a moron. (laughs) You hired an addict and gave him a shot holy cow. That was so scary in staff meetings. I was like a bull in a china closet, you know. I would say things inappropriate all the time, and you know, I'd be going, I think Brad one time had stones where you write your name on it, and I'd go, oh yeah, you got the stones. <laughs> you know, and there's this little Tammy Leesberg that shit. I'm like, they're all going, I went, huh? Oh, you know, and I'm talking about the bus that had a bathroom. I'm going, well, I wouldn't rock a deuce in it or anything, but you know, and they're like, buddy. You know, they had. I they really. I was an O E G. I was an O O O E G R. They had to really go, buddy. Stop. You know, but you know, act on your good impulses. One of the ways that you can do that is is just a real simple thing. You know, at Mana House, peanut butter and jelly is like gold. It's it's gold. It's the only thing you have to buy from the food bank. Jar of peanut butter. Jar of jelly. And you know, when you get it from the food bank, it's like Joe's jelly, and you know, it's it's just a horrible brand name. I'd like for us to, for the month of July, peanut butter and jelly. Right now we can only give them to the, the families that have children. I would like to be give everyone. Wouldn't, wouldn't a PBJ be man, wouldn't it be great if somebody came in? I was hungry and they gave me PBJ. I found the Lord. They boldly said, walk to me. You can get out of that lifestyle. They looked at me and said, Silver and gold, I do not have, but peanut butter and jellies right here. <laughs> you know, and you can watch. God does extraordinary things through ordinary people and ordinary circumstances. You guys give, always give God the credit, and you boldly share the news. I'm going to pray, and I, I'm going to ask Daniel to come up, and we're going to do communion, and I'll, I'll pray us away. But I, I, I want to thank you for your boldness. You saved my life saved my family's life you gave me a purpose and you let me work for God and I I have the pleasure of watching other people's lives change in dramatic ways stay bold it's almost I feel like stay thirsty (laughs) stay thirsty my friend stay (laughs) bold my Christian brothers (laughs) stay bold being a believer is fun it's not hanging our head down and walking God gives us joy. It's fun. Show people the joy.